So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration, because that's what we do. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to The Shared Desk. You got our Loot Crate looky loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing, usually it's pretty nerdy. Nerd! And then there are the drop-ins. Has the whole world gone crazy? Yes, there are drop-ins. And we love having guests on the show. It's the shared desk after all. And if it's Katie or Lauren, you get some lovely singing as well. So find The Shared Desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The Shared Desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different different points points of view. Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where... Ben. And Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre. You name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on tggeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 110 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good. How's it going? Good, good. Um, for everybody listening, a week has gone by <laughs> for you and I it has been about 15 minutes <laughs> I'm glad that you're upfront with that with the audience you know yeah well you know when we start like making reference to things last episode like it was five minutes ago it's because it was five minutes ago <laughs> yeah all the world of podcasting I feel like I'm being let behind the curtain yeah it's it's scary back here <laughs> so um this week we 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 had wanted to do this as episode one uh oh nine, but we had all sorts of recording issues, and Zencaster was not being our friend, and uh, still has not been wonderful, but it's it's hanging in there. And so, uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to talk a little bit about fandom and how we consume and define um our our geek culture i guess is the best way to do it so so that's what we're going to be talking about today um but i did want to talk a little bit about um bringing ray on to geektitude because we we touched on it very very briefly but um for anybody who's been listening for a while knows that i have been covering a lot of different topics and i have a very you know personal perspective about fandoms and and it's definitely evolved and changed over just doing this show but um, after a while, you start 
you start running out of things that you're excited about talking about. And I think that one of the things that you and I never have a problem with is that if you're geeking about out about something or I'm geeking out about something, even if it's not something that we're into, we get excited about it because the other person is so excited about it. You know, yeah. I can talk about World of Warcraft and you're not into that, but you'll be like, oh, so, and you'll ask questions. And you'll be interested in it, you know, oh, for yeah. the purposes of a conversation. I got a million questions about stuff like geek properties that, I, that I'm not, you know, really into because, you know, like it could easily go another way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you never know. Like at some point, it, it does something that sparks your interest. And now, now you have a, a basis to go back on and, and, totally re-engage. So um, I felt like it was it was nice to bring on somebody that I have fun talking to for, for those two reasons. One, that um, you know, there will be some things that that Ray's geeking out about that we can make the weekly topic and and you know hopefully get a guest in and and interview them. And, and then the other part is, is it is very hard to constantly get guests and I've had a run of of cancellations and and I, I've been hurt, right? <laughs> I, I've been hurt by 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 that process and so I do want to start getting um getting different guests, but you have some ideas that I wouldn't have thought of and you have connections in in different circles that I don't have and so um, instead of bugging you constantly and saying, "Hey, Ray, can you email your yeah. friends?" You know, yeah. we can have a conversation with them together. Yeah, and I mean, you know, in addition to being a you know um, regular uh, a guest on this podcast, I mean, I consume other podcasts, and I'm you know part of other circles that I geek out about. Um, and for a while now, I've been kind of looking for um, a podcast that. I guess it's kind of similar to what we do when, when you and I talk about Marvel films or DC films or whatever, you know, comic book movie we're, we're discussing on a given episode. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I feel like I, I, I'm always looking for that kind of conversation in other places. Um, I do follow a couple of, uh, movie film podcasts that I've mentioned on here before, like, um, the, the Canon and, uh, movie crush. And while I love those, both of those podcasts very much and still listen to them, I feel like there's, you know, a deeper conversation, uh, that I'm looking for into the things that I'm interested in talking about. And it's a lot of the kind of stuff that you and I just discuss, you know, not only on the podcast, but just on fr as friends. Right, right. Um, and so it just made sense to me when you said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm dying over here. Can I have can I a little help? Um, and, and I thought, why not just bring that conversation onto the, our, you know, onto this podcast and we can just make it kind of a regular part of the show. So I'm excited to, to do that because, you know, not only do I get to geek out with you more often, um, but I also, you know, get it, have a, a hand in, in creating some of the content that I am looking for as well. Right. You know? Right. And, and I think that's, I think that's one of the, the, the things that I'm most excited about is, is, not feeling like I have to, because I have my perspective. <laughs> this show is about other people's perspectives. And so <laughs> I, I kind of noticed that with the guests I was picking, I'm like, I'm picking a lot of, or I'm interested in a lot of the same things. And, and I'm not venturing outside of my comfort zone simply because it's just not occurring to me. And having, having somebody out there to say, Hey, I want to talk about this, that, that makes me happy and, and excited. So. Awesome. Yeah, this is exciting. I'm, really pumped it's been a while since i've been a co-host of anything uh back in high school and early college i was a co-host and co-producer co-producer on a on a uh basic cable 
uh, show <laughs> that was about, uh, you know, it was a mishmash of all the things we were interested in, myself and my friends, uh, um, skateboarding and, and music and comic books and movies and all kinds of stuff. And that was fun. I, you know, did that for a while in my late teens, early 20s. And um, it's kind of cool. I'm, I'm getting the same feels, Joe, you know, like when you're, <laughs> I, I, coming on board Geektitude and, you know, being a part of this, it's, it's, I, I didn't realize how much I missed that. So this is exciting. Please, please tell me there's some footage that I can black, <sighs> blackmail you yeah. or your girlfriend into sharing with me because there, that sounds amazing. You know I really, really, really hesitate to say this, but, um, there is, I'm sure there's stuff on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure. And, uh, yeah, if any, and if anyone that was a part of that is listening to this now, I'm sure they can't wait to track it down and send it to you. So, um, <laughs> it's out there. I'm sure it's, I've, I've been told it's out there. I, I, you know, spare myself. <laughs> I don't want to see that. All right. So, so <laughs> new, new goal in life is to track down. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we, we saved some of our, we were so excited about, about talking about black Panther that we saved some of our weekly Gregory for this week. So, yes. so you, you've been reading a lot of comic books. Yes, I have. I'm finally, right. It's always a goal of mine. And, um, you know, I travel a lot for work, especially during the fall season. And um, I have my own little kind of, uh, I don't know what you call them, traditions or whatnot. But um, when I'm in a new town or, or a different town than the one that I live in now, um, and I'm on the road, one of my little creature comforts that I like to do is I'll find, I'll track down a local comic book store and I'll go and, and buy a couple of graphic novels to read on the plane ride home. Uh, and that's something that I've I've done since I've been doing this job and traveling. So when I visit New Orleans, you know, I, I head over to my local comic book shop in New Orleans that I'm that I know of. When I head, it's Crescent City Comics, by the way. Um, but you know, when I'm in Atlanta or when I'm in Miami or whatever, I, I always make it a point to seek out a, a comic book store. So um, that's where I get most of my comic book reading done. And having just done quite a bit of traveling, I got to jump into um, Batman. Which is a uh, some? Uh, it's a title that I've been hearing a lot about, and so I wanted to check that out, and I was not disappointed. I'm kind of in the middle of it now, um, but it's it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Um, same thing with um, uh, the Miles Morales uh, version of Spider-Man or that Spider-Man title, title um, written by uh, Bendis, Brian mm-hmm. Bendis. Um, that's really fun, and it's it's a trip to. Go. I don't know what your comic book reading was like, Joe, but I surprisingly stayed away from a lot of the like main, like big icon characters. Mm-hmm. Like I did, like you know, everybody knows Batman and Superman and Spider Man, but I never actually read a lot of those comics growing up. Like I was always into like the I don't know if it was lower tier characters you would call them or what, but. You know, I was into like Savage Dragon mm-hmm. and like, you know, I was, I guess X-Men for a while, but more like the offshoot X-Men titles were the stuff that I was really Well, you into. know me in the offshoots, like I, all of my stuff was very uh, group-based and like Alpha Flight and like Alpha Flight. Right, right. And, uh, our, and, and so I, you know, always kind of stayed away from Superman and Batman, like the main stuff. But when I hear that there's a good run on something, I want to check it out. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I read graphic novels, because 
um, issue to issue. I just, I don't feel enough of the story is being communicated to me to, to keep me mm-hmm. invested. And, um, I think I made a point with you recently that reading a graphic, like waiting, you know, <laughs> for issues to be published, you know, so that they're collected into a graphic novel and then you can consume them all at once. That is, you know, the, the comic book version of Netflix binging, right. uh, you know, a whole season of a show. Right. And that was like the pre Netflix binging was comic book fans waiting for that graphic novel to come out. And I, and I'm that type of fan where I would, I will wait, I will abstain (laughs) and and put off the joy of reading my favorite comic book sometimes for a year. I remember when Preacher was coming out, man, I would, that was so exciting when, when the new graphic novel volume of Preacher was out because I could go and I could spend the afternoon reading that. And then when it was over, I had a year's wait before the next preacher graphic novel came it's out. It's so hard to do. So uh, <laughs> it is so hard to do. But I've, I've realized because a couple of times I did kind of, you know, falter and um, grab a bunch of uh, uh, issues. It's just not the same. It's, I enjoy it. But I, I long ago, I decided that graphic novels are, are the way to go for me. So. Well, you know, one of the cool things about that is that I'm able to really make my reading more mm-hmm. efficient since I don't get a lot of time to read. And so I, you know, I, at, at the price of uh, coming to things late, you know, after everyone's already kind of lived it in the moment, a year or two later, I'll go, hey, you know, uh, uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye is great. And everyone's like, yeah, Ray, like we supported that when it was coming out three years ago, you know, but um, like with this, you know, Scott Snyder run on Batman, I don't think he's, he's writing Batman anymore, but I'm really enjoying the hell out of his run. Um, and same thing with Miles Morales, Spider-Man that's been out for a while now, but it's just one of those things that I heard no, enough good things about that. It went on my list. Um, and then every now and then I'll dip into something really old that I read a long time ago. And I just want to reread, uh, lately I've been rereading, um, Promethea by Alan Moore. Uh, he wrote that he created that character as part of his, um, America's best comics line. That eventually got um, it was published under Wildstorm, which is Jim right. Lee's line of comics. And then when Wildstorm was bought by DC, um, America's Best Comics kind of also kind of became part of DC. And we all knew that that meant that Alan Moore was not long yes. for that world, <laughs> you know, because he wants nothing to do with DC. So, but but while those were coming out and he was writing them, there was a ton of great characters. All it was an entire world of characters created by Alan Moore, written by Alan Moore. Uh, Prometheus was my favorite, but uh, Tom Strong was part of that world. Uh, Top Ten was another comic that was great. All of those comics are great. If you have you know time and uh, inclined to do so, check those out. But Prometheus is one that I've been catching up with because it's always been yeah. I've heard good things about that, and I want to go check it out. So good, man! Especially if you're a red comic book fan and you understand how he's tweaking mm-hmm. archetypes. You know, that's like my favorite thing when it's done well. When it's done horribly it's like the worst yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely well for my weekly geekery the biggest thing that i have done this last couple weeks is i have finally um subscribed to audible because i i i have been checking out audiobooks on overdrive and hoopla and it's great, but when I get something like The Stand from Stephen King, which is 47 hours long, um, <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can listen to that in two weeks. And then I have to wait another couple of months before I can finish the 
book. So um, I went and subscribed, and the first book I got was uh, Wizard's First Rule by Terry Goodkind, which is like an epic fantasy. And I've read it before, but it's one of these books where I've read it, and then it's been a while since I've read it, so I'd go to book two and not know what was going on, so I'd go back and read it again, <laughs> but it's like three inches thick, <laughs> so oh. it's like, oh. all right, so I'm going to listen to this one and then use my next month's thing to get the next one and the next month's thing to get the next one, and because they're these huge, epic, 30-hour-long audiobooks that I get for like, you know, if I use the free one, I get it for nothing, but they had a special, and I got it for like five bucks. Nice. Yeah, so loving that. It's one of my favorite fantasy books of all time. And uh, it's kind of interesting to listen to it as opposed to read it because you, I think I catch a lot more. I'm starting to think I'm a lot more of an auditory learner than I am a visual learner, and I would have never thought that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I've been geeking out about, and it's really sad, <laughs> and it makes me – my me, like question aging and, and what it does to a person. But I, I have been looking into making my own soap. What? (laughs) Yes. Um, I have, I have been looking into, and once the show is done and, uh, I am, uh, have a little bit more time in my life. I am going to start trying to make uh, cold process soap. Huh. That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> today. Uh, what? I, so I have, I have a number of friends that make their own soap actually. I, um, I may, I may ask them for, for suggestions because I'm very, yeah. very excited about it, but go ahead. So how did, I mean, I got questions. Are you kidding? Uh, how, did, <laughs> how, did, how did this come about? Okay. So very, this is the way my brain works. Um, I once upon a time went and started watching YouTube videos of um, those kind of street spray paint artists that will like create planets <laughs> and, and space. Things. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know exactly what you're Because <laughs> it's quite a brainless. I could just watch this thing kind of come together, and it's like, okay, that's cool. And then it, um, you know, as as you follow the YouTube links down the rabbit hole, um, they had acrylic pour painting where they would pour different colors of acrylic paint into cups and then let them um, – kind of pour onto the canvas and make these really cool colored patterns. And I'm like, okay, this is very soothing and very nice for me to watch before I go to bed. Well, then of course, one of those is a pouring technique for soap. And then I started looking at the process of making soap and <laughs> this is, this is how it has come about. But like, I, I, I'm interested in the chemistry of it. I am interested in the, the kind of artistic of it because there's the there's color, there's fragrance, there's a combination of the two. Um, yeah. I have been like my, uh, my husband had the exact same reaction you did, <laughs> which was like, <laughs> what? Um, but the more I started talking to him about it and, and sending him links and stuff, I'm like, no, this is really, this looks like a lot of fun to do. And we don't ever have to buy gifts for anybody ever again. If we do this well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's I mean, uh, just from being an artist and and being on the circuit of uh, you know art art 
and craft festivals and street fairs and whatnot. Um, there's always a mix of, you know, vendors at these events. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's painters like me and printmakers. Sometimes it's jewelry makers. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, um, holistic, you know, healers and, and that have crystals. And a lot of times they make jewelry or they have uh, soap that their, their own soap that they make and, stuff like that. So I, you know, I have a few friends that, that do that. Um, and it looks, yeah, it looks really fun and, um, their product is great. <laughs> so, um, I also for a while had a partner who was into that and she was actually making, we were making our own laundry detergent. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it, and it, and we saved a ton of money and we lasted us forever. So, um, but yeah, I think that's – and she was also, you know, she's a scientist and chemist now, so that makes sense. Well, and I'm looking at all these different things. Like you can make beard oils. You can make – like there's a lot of stuff you can make. And But but for me, I think it's like, you know, my art has always been theater. Like that's that's always been my like artistic outlet. And, you yeah. know, I, people would say, well, you know, podcasting is, you know, you're creating something. But it's, it's not quite the same thing. I don't feel like I have, um, you know, necessarily as much um, – like you, you're the product's different. You're not, you're not something that you can really display yeah. as, as this. And so I feel like the combination of, of it being something that I could do on my own or with my husband that doesn't require a troop of people like theater does. And it, and it right. results in something that you can hand to somebody and say, Hey, this is something I made. Like that's kind of exciting for me. And yeah. And Making something is that's that's a huge rush, you know. Yes. Well, the first <laughs> the first idea was was to make my own R two D two, but my husband put a, uh, put the foot down on that real quick. <laughs> I love the leap there. <laughs> like, well, of course, the first time, you know, make my own R two D two, and then since that didn't work out, the next obvious thing to move on. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, obviously. You know? I mean, like the, the the connection is just right there for the taking. Um, so you've been doing research on this? Yeah, and stuff? no, I've been doing research on this. I'm like, what? I got a really cool book um, about making cold process soap because there's three different types of of soap making. There's melt and pour, which is basically taking a soap base and melting it. And I'm like, well, that's kind of mm -hmm. cheating. <laughs> it's like it's already yeah. soap. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, there's hot process, which I know nothing about, but cold process soap is the one where you kind of mix your lye and your oils and fragrances and and you come up with soap. And watching these people do these like really artistic pouring techniques or, or different things to get different colors and different, you can do rainbow soaps and stripes and, you know, it's all about patience and, and it's not a quick thing because like you do it and you put it in the mold and then it has to set for a couple of days and then you pull it out and cut it. And then that has to cure for four to six weeks. So it's like, this is a several month long process just to make a bar of soap. That's rad. Um, makes me totally think of fight club which is one of my favorite movies <laughs> of all time and obviously they take a very you know it's it's very interesting how they incorporate soap into that story um because they link soap to like you know the the first civilizations of man and what does make you know human kind civilized and how you know um lie was first discovered you know from from the rituals of human sacrifice and that kind of thing and it's it goes deep but um the end product is soap and he uses in in the film apparently and i don't know how accurate this stuff is but apparently that you need some kind of emulsifier to to you know um and and there's a, some kind of fat or oil that is required and in the film he uses human Ew. fat yeah <laughs> They rate a lipo. <laughs> <What? laughs> 
<laughs> so apparently that results in the like the best soap ever. I'm just saying, Joe. You know, just don't get too crazy. With- <laughs> I, will, I will. I will. keep my my soap making as legit and on the level as possible. <laughs> well, it's, and it's funny uh, because my my husband is like, you know, we you talk about what we'll do with like. You know, oh, we really want this thing, but we're going to have to wait several months to f- save up for it. And, you know, oh, it'd be really cool to get, go yeah. on this vacation, but we'll have it wait. I'm like, <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, but after I start my, you know, gigantic soap empire, um, <laughs> you know, we won't have to worry about money. It'll be great. I wonder if it's how people who take up uh, microbrewing, like beers and stuff, feel because it's a process that you, it takes yeah. time. Right. And you have to wait. You don't even know if you did it right until the first batch is ready. Yeah. And that's and that's going to be kind of I, I can see myself getting very frustrated if the, I'm kind of setting myself up to be <laughs> very disappointed with my first batch. So that way I'm like, OK, it's like it's like with my movies. <laughs> I set it up to be I'm going to be disappointed. That way I can only be like excited about it afterwards because it'll always exceed my expectations. You know my expectations, so I'm kind of doing that with the yeah. soap making process. And the the book I have, I should probably like actually give the the name, um, but it it's really great because the woman's like, I know if you're like me, you don't want to read through all this stuff about how to make soap. You just want to make soap. So, um, so she like gives you all the safety stuff. It's called uh, soap crafting step by step techniques for making 31 unique cold process soaps. So very very clinical sounding book but it's actually it's actually quite humorous um and she's just like i get it like you just want to make soap so here's the safety stuff so you bar- don't burn your your fingers off with lie and you know you have eyeballs at the end of the process but uh, but she goes but i know you just want to make a soap and so here is a very basic no fragrant no um no colorant um recipe and you can do it in a milk carton so have at it Nice. I can't yeah. wait to see what comes <laughs> of this. Honestly, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so that is like literally that is what I have been geeking out about this week. Because when I go to bed, I watch two or three videos of uh, people making soap every night. Because a, it's very soothing and relaxing, and it gets my mind off of the busyness of the day. And b, it's really cool to see like them mix the colors and yeah. Yeah, that's rad. Good for you. <laughs> so yeah, so they're like, like <laughs> my husband was like, it's he's like, I, I'm sorry for my reaction, but it's like you turning around and saying, I want to make doilies for a living. <laughs> <It's> yeah, like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I get it, but you know, what does it say when you get to a certain like I've gotten to the age where soap making sounds appealing? <laughs> hey, you know, I think everyone should make something. You know? Yeah, I really think that as an artist, I think you know, making something is some. It just, it's, it's, um, really, really rewarding, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, that, that craziness out of the way, (laughs) uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, um, I don't know, fundamentals of being a geek, I guess. Yes. (laughs) Be right back. I'm void and I'm beach and together we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. 
Comics. Hey everyone, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek, inviting you to join me and my rotating cast of co-hosts each week on The Comic Box, where we tell you everything you need to know to become a world-class comic book geek. So join us for The Comic Box, each week, right here on the geek to geek Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice and download our podcast today. And we're back. Woohoo. <laughs> so, uh, Ray, you kind of brought this topic up as as something to discuss on the show, and so I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. All right. Um, well, when you asked if... Uh, I wanted to come on as a semi-permanent co-host. Um, this was; these are just things that came to mind. And honestly, you and I would probably just talk about this stuff and geek out about this these topics of conversation on our own. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think we both kind of felt like, well, why don't we just talk about this on the show? You know, since especially if it's going to inform uh, our take on films and you know different geek, geek properties, uh, some of this feels like just putting into words some of the stuff that we've brought to the show anyway, in terms of mm-hmm. our point of view and, and the position from which we're discussing some of these movies and different properties. So it felt like a good time to just bring this conversation to light and just present it, you know, as an episode and let everyone else be part of the conversation as well, which I think is important. And yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's probably what's needed. Um, so I just took some time. I don't know how you are with organization, but I'm kind of uh, OCD about it. I make lots of lists and I like to write things down and I like to have, you know, once I can get it out of my brain and onto a piece of paper or into a note or something, then I can stop thinking about it and allow my mind to kind of relax, I feel like. Yeah. So that's what I did with this. I just sort of started thinking about, well, if I'm going to be – uh, co-host on Geektitude and Joe and I are going to keep discussing, you know, all the, all the superhero movies that we discuss, but more things on top of that. I think it's important for people to understand like where I'm coming from and what kind of things I consider. Um, and first and foremost, it's as a geek, what, you know, when we like something, why do we like it? Uh, and that was the first question that I really came to that came to mind for me was, um, by which criteria are we evaluating things? And I think that's different for everybody. And I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, definitely one thing that I, that I keep bringing up and I mentioning, mentioning to you in preparation of talking about this, this stuff in this episode is, you know, I don't, we don't have answers <laughs> for this. <laughs> Please don't think that, you know, we're putting forth some kind of manifesto of, of the, the way to be a geek going forward. 
Um, by no means, you know, is, is that the intention of, of this conversation? I just think that we're all kind of wondering about this stuff and it's, it, they're good questions to ask, you know? Um, how do we as fans evaluate the things that we consume? What, what makes something better to us than the next thing? You know, you love certain video games and certain video games you're not so excited about. Even mm-hmm. though someone else might love that other video game that you don't really care for, why do you love the things that you love? What is it about them that speak to you? Um, and does that necessarily mean that it's a good or, or bad video game if you don't like it? You know, I think that's really important. That That's actually a really big topic because I, I know with – I mean, just going back to my examples of World of Warcraft, when they do, um, uh, uh, you know, they just they're going to be releasing somewhere around the end of the summer a new expansion, and it's going to be all about the conflict between the Alliance and the Horde. And there, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, "Oh my God, we've been doing this for 13 years now," because this game is 13 years old now. Wow. Um, and. So they're like, we've been doing this for 13 years. We don't want to fight with anymore. In fact, we'd love opportunities to be able to play with our friends who are on different factions and we don't want this. But then there's other people like me who are like, yes, that's very exciting because I always kind of like going back to the us versus them um, kind of dynamic in the game. It it kind of feels like you can pick your team and it's like, it's like going to a a sporting event. You're, you know, you're rooting for a side Mm -hmm. and that kind of gets me excited to, to defend my, my side of the, the, the coin. And uh, which is not very much me because I'm very much like, Oh, inclusive and everything else. But in the game, it's like, that's, I, I, I've got that identity of, you know, I'm a horde player. I enjoy playing the horde. Well, that's an um, escape as well, right? That's part of the the what you get from that. Everything, exactly. is so, everything is so nuanced now, and there's no right or wrong. Nothing is black and white. You know, it's kind of nice to just lose yourself in a world where you get to say, "Hey, there's this and there's that, and I'm on this side." Yeah, and but but the result is, and and we talk about this a lot. Um, you know, it splinters the the fan base. So you've got people who are like, "Oh my god, I love." Um, I love this, and you've got people who are like this. This is terrible. I don't want to. I don't want to participate in this anymore. You know, I want. And then you've still got the people who are like, vanilla is better than anything. And you know, there's, <laughs> there's, you know, and, and anytime you make a change to any of these properties, you you risk splintering the fandom because we're all consuming it and judging it by different criteria. Right. How do you? Um how much do you take into consideration in a capitalist society that means you know money right like right, if right. something makes a lot of money we tend to deem that thing as very successful right but i mean if you've seen any of the transformers movies that have made a ton of movie like how successful would you call those films right right they're they're i guess i guess you have to quite a qual qualify the the success so it's um it's financial success um as a fan of the 80s um transformer cartoon i i have no interest in watching the movies well right touch them with the 10 foot pole (laughs) have you seen any of them I've seen the first two or three which one was the one with the really (laughs) radial stereotype 
one. Oh, that was the was that the second one? Yeah, I watched the first two, and that was the second. Okay, then one. Yeah. I didn't watch after the second one. Yeah, yeah, I tapped out after the second one as well. But I mean, you know, it's the. I think this is the kind of thing that we forget sometimes as fans when we're discussing properties and discussing our, you know, how much we like them or, or whether or not it's weird because doesn't it feel to you like fandom has gotten to a point where it's beyond whether you like something or not. It's whether that thing deserves to even exist. Yes. Right. It's like, it's like, I don't like that. Therefore it should not even be made. It's so true. And, and it, it it's, it's so frustrating because the, you can't, you can't take away from other people's enjoyment because you don't like something, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And it's funny because nowadays so many geek properties are being made that you would think people would ease off on the whole, you know, that shouldn't be made thing because there's you have plenty of options. You have, you have plenty of, of choices of what you can consume if you're a geek. If you don't like the this one version of this terminator property well guess what there's another completely different thing in the terminator world that you can consume and enjoy you know what i mean if right you like predator and you hate the last predator versus alien movie you know there's another predator movie coming out or there's a predator comic or you can buy the predator statues or you know what i mean it's like there's so much out there now that you would think you know, we would ease up on on whether or not you know an all female Ghostbusters should exist. Well, that's that's the exact example I was going to use because it's not like somebody went into everybody's house and set fire to their original copies of <laughs> you know it didn't get deleted off of the world, right? Because we had an all female Ghostbusters. Like it just doesn't. Right. It doesn't change anything that you like about it. It just doesn't it, – I guess people feel like because they made that, they're not making something that's what they want. And so they are missing out on the forward momentum of their property. Hmm. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. I, see, I could see that. Um, but then also you have to you know, take into consideration – or maybe you don't. But if just because something is uh, – let's say that movie comes out and it makes a ton of money, you know, you can still not like it. You know, like right. there's nothing wrong with not liking something. And I think that's where I think some people get caught up because you and I don't like plenty of things. <laughs> right. <laughs> as has been covered, right, on this podcast. But we stop short of saying, you know, that if, you know, if this is made, it's a disservice to fans everywhere or, you know, you shouldn't enjoy this thing. You know, I, I really, it, it, I really hope that there are people out there that love, um, uh, you know, singers take on the X-Men, you know, because that's who they're for, you know, they're being made for somebody, you know, I hope that you can find enjoyment from this thing. And if you can, good for you. I can't. And that's where that ends for me. Well, and I've, and I've given the example of twilight twilight's a, a great example of that. Like I can, I cannot, as an as an English teacher, I cannot endorse that book <laughs> as a piece right. of literature. Like I, there, there, it causes a visceral reaction for me because I don't think it's well written. But nonetheless, somebody out there has a very strong affinity for those characters and for that world, and so it is not for me to say that they should not be fans of that property. And and I think that's that was one of the biggest wake up calls that I've gone through as a geek is that. 
yeah, I have to be okay with people liking what they like. I can't say, oh, you're a horrible person for liking that right. because it's just not true. So let's stick with Twilight because I think this is a perfect example. Um, that uh, It's not just somebody having an affinity for those characters. There are a lot of people. I mean, Twilight made a ton of money, right? The books right. and the movies were widely consumed. And so you being an English teacher saying, you know, I don't think those books are written very well or well-written. Duh, I didn't say that very well. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, what, what does that financial success say to you? And does, does, has anyone have any, any of fans of Twilight ever come to you with that as an example of them actually being a, a good thing? You know, look at how much money it's made. Therefore, you know, it must be written well. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I don't think the people that have made the argument that it's high literature. It's, yeah, they, yeah, nobody's ever said it's high literature. Like that's never been the the, the argument. Um, in fact, the person I was talking to was a student who was very into discussing books with me, and so when I gave her like the NPR breakdown of of Twilight and why it was not well written. She was like, I can like, own I can every own single every one, single of, these one of these things. I still I like still the book. Like right. And I think, and I think the, the, success the success is, is that it's that tapped into something that, that people that wanted to read. To people read, wanted, to wanted to experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it felt, my take from it, and I didn't have a lot of exposure to the Twilight stuff, but just from being around the fandom, my take from it, it was it was almost like, um, uh, like a fan story come to life right like like it was like fan fiction right but made real yeah that's exactly what it was i mean it wasn't yeah. it wasn't it, i mean um 50 shades of gray was actually is actually twilight fan fiction but um really yeah you didn't know that it was written as twilight fan fiction and then they they made it into its own like a new thing yeah they changed the names of the characters and stuff yeah, they took it out of, but it was originally, oh, it was wow. Twilight fan fiction. Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Put the wow. whole new spin on that for you, doesn't it? <laughs> that makes, that so, kind of makes it make sense to me now. <laughs> oh, no wonder that's written so badly. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really. It, I mean, we're 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 still we're still talking about somebody's fandom in a very irreverent way, and right. and it's it's one of those things where I think that the um the the product itself it it met a need. There there were stories out there that that people wanted to read, and this met the need, and and it did it in an accessible way. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it also changed geekdom in a lot of ways because the the first time I saw Comic-Con kind of go crazy with people, like go into a direction where oh my god there are twice as many people here than last year was was when they they kind of marketed to the Twilight crowd. Yeah. And the second movie was coming out that weekend. And it was very much a push to get a different demographic at Comic-Con and it spun Comic-Con around on its heels. It changed it completely. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, change is good. You know, I feel like, um, 
it might it, it might have uh reinvigorated geekdom as a whole and kind of i mean yes it's going to splinter people and people are going to you know some people are going to have an aversion to that maybe they don't they are used to the space being their space and there's like a whole new audience there now um but i mean that's that's the kind of thing where i feel it, it does you know really it doesn't help anybody to be mad about that like you know geekdom is is growing and is more and more uh nowadays is for everyone and anyone you were just speaking mm-hmm. out about soap you know yes like <laughs> i mean you know like you can be a geek about anything and i feel like that this is why the you know some of the arguments and 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 extreme stances are being taken nowadays um in 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 relation to like geek properties and i think that's why what we're working towards i feel like is the idea that it's okay to like what you like and it's okay to not like what you don't like period you there doesn't need to be a justification beyond that yeah you know just like your student said yeah you know all of those things are true i still like it to me that's a really evolved point of view <laughs> you know yeah, because she's not she's she's recognizing its flaws. She's able to recognize its flaws. She she kind of pointed out, you know, Mr. Hogan, you're not the demographic this is written for. I don't expect you to like. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um I kind of was expecting to have to make that point about Black Panther, you know, and thankfully we haven't gotten there yet. Who knows, but it's kind of thing where it's like, well, you know, if you don't feel this movie is life-changing, Maybe because it's not life changing for you, <laughs> you know. Right, like, right. Maybe this doesn't, you know. Maybe it's not meant to be life changing for you, but that doesn't mean that it can't be life changing for someone else. You know what I mean? The the target audience, is, as it were, or you know, whatever you want to call that. Um, but I think that we get into problems when people say, "Hey, I don't like this thing because it is, it is objectively not good," right? Right. If if you say this is a thing that is not well made and that is why I don't like it. And if you like it, you're not it's almost like you shouldn't like this thing. This thing, if you like it, you are doing something wrong by liking right. this thing. Um and so that's one of the things that I've really changed my mind about in the in in the last few years. I was definitely along that kind of uh perspective of you know, there are certain ways there, there's, there's good writing and there's bad writing and there's good, um, I guess there's well-made things and things that are not well-made, but sometimes you have to take into consideration, you know, what the ultimate goal of that, of those creators is. And so when you look at people that love, um, you know, uh, exploitation cinema or love, you know, B movies, or love, you know, that, that necessary, part of the allure of that is that it's not well-made, quote-unquote well-made. Oh, yeah. Right? No, I, my, my friends and I love So Bad They're Good Movies. <laughs> right, right. I've never been a fan of those, but I, you know, how can I deny someone's love for that, right? Like, if that's mm-hmm. part of what draws them to it, I, there's no right or wrong there. Well, and here's a question: When have you experienced so bad? They're good movies with people who are there to experience a so bad 
it's good movie. Like, cause that is a little bit of the appeal of that thing is, is being in on the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if right. you watch and, something that's just bad and, and you're like, well, you know, I was expecting this to be good. You, you're not going to get the enjoyment out of it. Cause your expectations are different. Where if you go into a, a movie knowing this is going to be a terrible movie. Um, the, the, I think, I think stealth was an example of, of where <laughs> it, it wasn't bad enough. Um, it, we went in expecting it to be a so bad it's a good movie, and it was just a bad movie. <laughs> and we were like, that really didn't fulfill what we were hoping it would fulfill for because you know, it wasn't nobody was in on the joke. Where yeah. if you watch something like Showgirls or Torque with the a bunch of people, comes to mind. Which one? The Room, which has been getting a a lot of uh, play recently. Uh, I'll have to go look at it. I've never heard of that one. Yeah. Oh, it's it's uh, famous for being the worst film ever made, and um, they just they just made a uh, like kind of like a, a meta making of film um, called The Disaster Artist um, that just won some awards. Actually, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. Check check that out. You, you, if, if if you're feeling like a so bad it's good kind of night check out the room there's actually screenings it's wildly popular um, oh, that's awesome yeah yeah but i i totally get what you're describing that feeling of like that community of like we're all gonna enjoy this and it's a it's it's a it's a i, I feel like it's it's a, a um a move away from like self-serious you know cinema and fandom which mm-hmm. there's a lot of that out there. I mean, here we are decrying, you know, Twilight for being poorly written. And it's like, you know, there was a whole age of comics called Silver Age. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? That, yeah. that a lot of fans have a lot of affinity for and a lot of fondness for because of the kitsch factor, because of, you know, kind of that whole ridiculous aspect and quality to them. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and there's, that's, that's the thing. There's so many facets of being a geek that trying to say that somebody's a better geek than somebody else or something's a better fandom than some, like you can't, you can't quantify it like that. Oh, that drives me nuts. Yeah. That totally drives me nuts. Um, so, so this brings me to, um, the next question that I had, which is, um, what, so what do we prioritize? And I mean, you can take that as the kind of like general, like we, but I'm talking about you and me, Joe, like what, what are some of the things that you prioritize when you, you know, come to a deep property that you want to enjoy, that you're hoping to enjoy? Um, I think a lot of it is effort. Like how much effort do I have to put in to enjoy this? Oh, okay. And, and I think that's just a, a product of my age and my, my, work life situation. I don't have a lot of time to consume things that doesn't draw me in immediately. Okay. Got it. So, so would you say that that's changed over time for you? Um, yeah, I think so because I'm somebody who would try, I try everything. And I, I think it's kind of like, you can't say you don't like peas if you've never tried peas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I mean my my husband when we first started dating said, "Do you like Thai food?" And I said, "No, but I don't think I've ever had good Thai food." Hmm. 
So I, I could tell that, you know, I've had, I've had Thai food and I didn't like it, but I knew that it was coming from a place that was like college Thai food delivery yeah. service type of stuff. Like it's not going to a high end. And then I go to a high end Thai restaurant. I'm like, Oh, Hey, I actually like Thai food. Right. Right. Um, and so I think it's a little bit like that. Like you, you kind of have to try a lot of things to know what to prioritize to make your decisions as a geek. Let me make this more specific for you. Um, what are you looking for when you sit down to watch an X-Men movie and you want to enjoy that X-Men movie? What are you prioritizing there? What are the things that you'll kind of overlook and what are the things that need to come through? Oh, that's such a loaded question. Yes, let's do it, man. This, this podcast is called Geekitude. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So you're going to have to follow me on this one. Um, it, it's hard because I would say that character, true to character is most important, but because of the trajectory that the movies have taken, you have to kind of say that's the movie version of this character. Yes. Yes. That The MCU or the X-Men universe or whatever. Yes. That they are their own thing at this point. Yeah. And so I like, I can't, I can't judge the characters based on my experience with them. I have to judge them based on where they are in the universe that they're existing in. That's a beautiful thing. And I think that is a huge statement that you just made because that I agree with you. And that automatically sets us apart from so many geek fans out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Because you can't look at you can't look at something and say a lot, a lot of geeks can't look at something and say I see what they're doing there. It's not my version of that character, but it's consistent in the world that they've created. Yes, that is. I feel like that is the dividing line between that is one of the big dividing lines right there between mm-hmm. fandoms. That is so huge um, because basically what we're saying is you know we're on board. We are. We are. You know, we're letting the creators of this thing, whether it's a film or whatnot, drive this, and we we are with you. We want to see where you're gonna go, and then we'll decide once we get there if it works for us or not. As opposed to, hey, we have a list here, and you need to, you know, you need to match my idea or the comic book's idea of this as closely as possible. Right. Right. And I mean, like a perfect example of where I'm pleasantly surprised by that is um, Colossus from Deadpool. Like here's one of my absolute favorite characters, and I was almost brought to tears because I'm like, they got him right. That's exactly how he should be. Okay, from the comics, you mean? Yeah. Huh. But 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 if they hadn't gotten him exactly like the comics, I mean, is that a non-starter for you? Are you like, oh, forget it, or are you still interested to see how their take on on Colossus? I think the way I look at it is there's one of my favorite. I think this is how this is how comic movies make me feel in general. There's my favorite character in the Marvel universe on screen and I get to experience it. Like if they had completely ruined his character, like if they had, if they had pulled a uh, Deadpool in the Wolverine movie, like, yeah. and then my favorite character was Deadpool. I would, I would be like flipping tables because, right. because I mean, that, that was a complete, that, that wasn't the same character in any way, shape or form. So, so the essence and spirit of the character has to be there. Yeah. And then are, how much are you willing to allow them to update, you know, the costume or 
maybe you know mash up that you know aspects of their story with another character that they couldn't include or something like that you know they did that in a and i'm trying to think of where they've done that recently where i'm like this makes sense and i see what they're doing here yeah and like, I'm ex- i feel like the first x-men like they made uh um rogue kind of the shadow cat character yes right? yes um, where they decided that she was going to be the young, new recruit kind of thing, and we were going to be experiencing the world of X Men partially through her eyes. That's not, you know, her and Iceman are not a thing in the comics. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Where's Gambit or whatever? You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I was okay with that. I was like, I get why they're doing this. Like they, you know, they need that, you know, character to be the audience stand in. And even though that's not the rogue that I know from the cartoon or from the comics. Like, okay, I'm on board with this. Let's, let's see where it goes. You know, let's do it. Well, and I, I still bounce off big changes like that because when they made Havoc one of the first X-Men in the first class, yeah, I was like, that that's messing up so many different things. Like, you can't use that character <laughs> later. You can't – like, the, the ages are reversed. Like, you realize what you're doing. But, like, but I didn't like you gave me a little twinge every time there was something that kind of messed up my version of continuity in my head. I'd go, Ooh, yeah. like, like that, that feels bad, but it didn't ruin that movie for me. Okay. Right. And see, and I'm on the other end of the spectrum where I'm like, let's go. Like it's all up for grabs. Like <laughs> as long as you get like the basics of the character there, like if you're sketching the character, in a similar way to what I've experienced in the comics, then everything else is open for interpretation. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. very bare bones about it. You know what I mean? Um, a matter of fact, I'm actually intrigued by it. Like Elseworlds stories were some of my favorite stories growing up. Yeah. Because I just love the inventiveness of it. And honestly, that's how I see a lot of these films, a lot of these characters, you know, being portrayed, these comic book superheroes or whatnot being portrayed in these films i see it as elseworlds take like and and i'm down for that you know um i i think where where i've changed that is i think i think i i because i love what ifs i love elseworlds i love i love that kind of stuff but i think what pushes it for me is that when when we started experiencing our comic books in movie form it was like, this is going to be our only chance to see those characters on film. And so if they don't get it right this time, that's it. And I think that's, I, I think now that it's become such a powerful movement, it's not as urgent. Right. Right. But that was very, I mean, that's, that's what's killing me about what I'm seeing happening to new mutants. And I, and I, I think it's going to be a very cool movie. And I'm going to have to have that conversation of it is a good movie on its own. It's not my new mutants right. because I don't see in the world that they're pitching to us where it's a kind of a horror setting. Mm-hmm. You're giving these characters an opportunity to develop this youthful friendship before being thrust into the danger. If, if they execute um, a well-written uh, um, well visualized film that tells a compelling story with satisfying character arcs. Um, do you think you would be open to that, or because it's New Mutants, you're coming in with built-in expectations? 
Um, I'm trying very hard not to come in with built-in expectations, but I would see myself being able to acknowledge that it was a good movie Mm. as something different than my fandom. Uh, It's a little bit like we were talking about earlier. Like just because I don't like it doesn't mean that it's taken away something from me. Right, right, right. Um, And then, you know, I don't know. New Mutants is one of those things where are we going to get another New Mutants movie? You know, exactly. Or maybe they'll do a show. That I mean, I'm sure when Richard Donner made Superman, we weren't thinking we were going to, you know, we're three versions into Superman now. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Um, and I'm sure back then, you know, when Tim Burton's, I mean, forget Tim Burton's uh, Batman. Look at the Adam West show. Yeah. <laughs> those two, those two takes on Batman could not be more different. Definitely. Right? And yet here we are, you know, where we've got a take by Snyder at this point that's even more brutal and more like, I mean, I grew up with Superman as my, my favorite superhero. He was my number. I was, I dressed up as Superman at two years old. Okay. Or maybe three. Um, he's always been my favorite superhero. And it's, it's wasn't, I have to acknowledge here that it wasn't so much the the boy scout aspect of his character that i appreciated um uh-huh. time and i've seen that that's what people really seem to care about with that character for me it was this idea of being an alien on this planet and just being different and not feeling like you quite fit in that uh-huh. was what always um you know appealed to me about that character so the richard donner superman movies growing up yeah of course i watched them as a kid i loved them but they were not something that like I felt, you know, were a part of me. Um, when, when Man of Steel came out, I've always said that movie to my, in my, that played like the Superhead movie in my head that I had been watching and making my entire life. Mm-hmm. Because, so I wasn't really concerned with, oh my God, he allowed people to die. That's not really Superman. You know, my thing is more like, what if Superman, you know, was still learning how to use his powers? What if Superman, you know, was really um, uh, um, processing and coming to terms with, you know, his alien, you know, self or whatnot? That's the stuff that really appealed to me about the character. So I was, I'm full on, fully on board with that take on that character. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that we're, that's the last version of Superman we're ever going to get, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I have a bias towards, uh, more realistic storytelling, more gritty, realistic mm-hmm. storytelling. For me, that, that is the thing that, that just, that just does it for me, you know? And so I'm always going to have a bit more patience for properties that have that take on, on a story or a character. Do do you think we're going to start getting less, um, dark, gritty storytelling, Yes. Because of the change um, in in politics and world stuff. Oh, that's that's an interesting take on it. I was thinking more in terms of the medium itself. Um, you know, it's similar to what we saw in co- in comic books. I think the medium, regardless of whether it's TV or film or comics or whatever, I feel like uh, uh, when, whenever big companies are involved. Uh, and, and, you know, their aim is to make more money and to capitalize on previous success. It seems to me like they always take the wrong lessons. 
Mm-hmm. And so when we were in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, and Watchmen and The Dark Knight Returns came out, um, which were hugely successful, both critically and, you know, commercially, um, the, the, the lessons that the industry learned from that were, oh, people want dark, gritty, realistic characters that deconstruct, you know, the, the superhero identity. No, no, that's what those stories happened to do, but right. they were also really well written, well told stories with some of the top writers and artists on them, like ever in the medium. You know what I mean? Right. And so I think with movies, it was kind of the same thing where it was like, oh, this gritty take on Batman succeeded. Okay. You know, Christopher Nolan's gritty realistic take on Batman succeeded. Everything, let's put black leather on the X-Men. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that's what works. That's what, and it's like, no, if you just tell the story well, if you look at, you know, Pixar, you know what I mean? It's always right. been about the story and about the characters. And beyond that, it's just different flavors, different genres. But as long as you are building great characters and telling great stories, it's going to, it's going to find an audience. Um, so that's what I was thinking of in terms of like, oh, are we going to see less gritty stories? Yes. But to me, it's because, you know, they're going to say, oh, everyone wants Thor Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy. And so now we have everything has to be bright, punchy colors and like super funny. And see, I feel I feel like that's a little bit of a product of the world you're living in, because if it's everything seems to be going relatively well, then you're able to go into the dark and gritty and um the more more serious and then when things are kind of rough and stressful in the real world you want that escapism and so it goes a little bit more towards the um the brighter colors the funnier right. the i i think there's definitely a correlation there i think um walking dead kind of suffers from that a little bit is because they kept going darker and darker and darker and yeah. then you know elections hit and people were like i can't I can't do this <laughs> yeah yeah, this is too, yeah, this is too much of a downer. Um, well, I, another thing, I mean, I already, you know, I, I'm, am all for calling out my biases because I feel like that's something that you need to be aware of. You know, if you tend to gravitate towards stories that are told from a male perspective, you know, that are like the hero archetype or whatever, the chosen one thing about some dude, you know, overcoming like crazy odds. And that's just the kind of thing that you're, that, that you're into. It's a good idea to be aware of that and to cop to it so that when you say, I didn't like Wonder Woman, you know, or, or, you know, an all female Ghostbuster shouldn't be made. It's like, just be honest about it. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just just say, I don't want to see, you know, stories about women. Well, you know what? Then this isn't for you. Just move the fuck along. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Um, and so I'm constantly kind of like investigating my biases and trying to figure out like, well, what is it that I'm drawn to? What, you know, why am I willing to give this a pass over this? Cause trust me, most of the time it's not because this thing is better made. It's just that it hits my buttons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, yeah. if we're being honest, it's just like, no, I like plenty of crappy things that just happen to feature the aesthetic that I enjoy. And so that's what I'm going to go for, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's been plenty of terrible Netflix movies that I've watched just because I kind of like the idea of behind it. And I'm like, wow, that was a really crappy movie, but Hey, it gave me two hours of pleasure. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I just wish people would just be, instead of saying, Oh no, the things that I like are because 
they are, you know, they follow all the rules of screenwriting and filmmaking and therefore they are objectively well made. God, just go, go to just get out of here with that stuff. <laughs> go away. <laughs> and, yeah, that just drives me nuts. Um, I, I have to say that for a long time, I felt that it, it didn't matter to me whether a film was inclusive or diverse or whatnot and what mattered to me was the story itself um mm -hmm. and i've changed my mind almost completely on that uh which is uh, taking me by surprise you know i i was totally willing to consume as many stories as possible about heterosexual white men <laughs> you know thinking you know yeah i don't really see myself in this you know but the story is, is so good that it doesn't matter, you know? And I feel like now that properties are becoming more diverse and there is actually the opportunity for me to identify more with a character, holy shit, what a huge impact it's had on me. And I, and I feel, you know, kind of dumb for downplaying that in the past. You know what I mean? And so now... I realize how important that that those aspects of a story are. Um, and so I definitely at this point, that's one of the reasons why um, that's a criteria that I include, you know, mm -hmm. how, is this diverse? Does this present a different point of view? Um, yeah, I was I was that jerk that would argue, you know, well, just because this film is a, you know, centers a, a woman, you know, lead doesn't make it a good story. You know, right. doesn't mean right. that it's it doesn't it doesn't make that joke funny or whatever. And now well, I say, that, oh, okay, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. And that, now I say, oh, well, it's 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 not just about that. Like, what else are you prioritizing here? What else are you saying matters to you? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, it, yeah, there's I, there's so many there's so many different levels of of this kind of thing because I, I think the biggest change that I'm hoping we start seeing is that there's going to be a lot more diverse people at the top of the of the food chain here because you can put your diverse characters into the movie but if they're not given an authentic perspective then it's not as enjoyable that is so true that is yeah that's a really great observation you know, I think both of both of us have talked about on this show how we've had emotional reactions to to people who represent us in some way or another being represented in our favorite properties. You know, yes. I, you you mentioned it in in Rogue One. I I mentioned it in. I mean, and again, it's not as representative of me, but just the fact that a title character um, in Overwatch that that's on the cover of, of every copy that's sold is, is a lesbian, you know, that it's like, Holy crap. This is one of the biggest selling, most popular entire esports world is being built around this game. And it's lead character is LGBTQ. Right. Right. Yeah. But I feel like we've just, we're like, just scratching the surface on these conversations. Um, but that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons I'm excited about being on this podcast, you know, is, is just being able to discuss the stuff we love, these, these geek properties that we love um, uh, in, in an in-depth way that is really about the things that are, that matter to us and that are important to us. Um, and I like that you and I have, we're like, 
on we're we're more or less on the same side of these things, but from different perspectives. Enough mm-hmm. that like I feel like you know you're you're gonna be the more you know traditional uh, uh, geek. You know, hey, this you know you better freaking get uh uh mutants right. You know, from, <laughs> from my experience from the comic, and I'm like, what? I th- I think I reached out to you and I was like mutant horror story like let's do it yes like I was so excited <laughs> and I was like hashtag not my new mutants <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the thing I don't want to be that person and I'm trying very hard to be like like but I I think I am allowed to experience disappointment without being judged but i yeah. also don't think that i should put my disappointment into I, I i should not force everybody else to be disappointed with the movie because it's not meeting my expectations right right and i'm and i'm gonna be coming from the side of like you know oh look at how realistic that was you know if somebody really had the power of flight you know gravity would be like a weird thing to figure out and you're like, you know, dude, like, just can we move on beyond that? Like, <laughs> like just the character fight, let's go. But, but Joe, like what, you know, so that's, I think this is going to be really interesting to just dive deeper into these different properties, you know, and kind of dissect them the way we do. Yeah, I mean, I like, I, I'm starting to get excited for that movie for totally different reasons, because for me, it's going to be very much a self-reflection of my, my growth as a geek. <laughs> like, have I come far enough in my understanding of, of what I consume that I can, I can legitimately look at it and say, it's a good movie for the, or it's, it's a movie that I can like for these reasons. Cause again, we're, we're defaulting to that good and bad. Right, um, right. It's, a, it's a movie I can enjoy because of these reasons, but I can still be disappointed that it's not what I was hoping for in a, in a new mutants movie. Right. And uh, that's, that's, it's going to be a test for me. And I'm kind of like, I'm looking forward to the challenge of it. Yeah. And the other thing we have to reconcile, and and maybe this is a, a terrible place to end, but uh, you know we've we've talked about you know can you say things are objectively good or bad, and I feel like I can say that that Batman versus Superman was objectively bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I agree with you, but for those people that really love that movie, more power to you. You know, if you're really getting enjoyment out of that, I mean, I'm not I like I don't begrudge you that enjoyment, you know, so do you, man? I mean, someone's got to do it. I'm not. It, it, yeah, it almost it almost <laughs> makes me feel like, oh, well, at least it's not complete waste because somebody got enjoyment out of it. That Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? There's we're at the point now, which I can't believe I'm saying this as, as, a, as a geek, but we're, we're going to get another take on that. Like we're gonna, we're we're getting a new, we're getting a new Dark Phoenix. I don't know how I feel about that yet, Joe. Like, I think it's gonna take the first trailer coming out for that for me to really absorb the fact that we're getting a whole nother take on the Dark Phoenix saga. I, I think my biggest concern with that is that, and again, this is this is us, you know, putting our own biases on it, but. I feel like that's a story that needs more of a build than they're giving it. Have they? I mean, it's not close to coming out, right? They still have a chance to give it more of a build. Am I wrong? Well, no, because there's nothing. That is the next X Men movie coming out. 
Right. Like the, the, like the core team X-Men. And so the, you know, and a lot of these characters we've only seen in age of the apocalypse, which was not, you know, the only reason why people didn't completely pan the hell out of it. It was, was right on the heels of Batman versus Superman. Right. Right. And so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a strong movie. It was, it was a fan service movie. It's one of those that like, fan like me can sit there and go, Oh, that that's that character. Oh, they did just did that. Oh, I've been looking forward to seeing that for years, but it wasn't a good movie. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. you know, I would say like objectively, I wouldn't consider it a good movie. Yeah, um, but now we're going to take this, like the emotion that is supposed to be created by this story. Like they, somebody said, and I forget who one of the best dark Phoenix presentations was in the 90s cartoon right right and that's because we cared about Jean gray at that point because we'd seen her for so long and those those feelings had built up in us yeah um they had the feels all new to me yeah and so the whole the whole heartbreak of that of that character is is the 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 destruction of of that person's identity and that person's relationship with cyclops and that person's relationship with wolverine and the, like all these the different X-Men. we grew yeah, up with X-Men. that character from the you know she's one of the original x-men so that says a lot that said a lot for that death right and that yeah it was and it was one of the first really big deaths in marvel yeah. comics like it, it was a huge deal and and i feel like it, it requires pulling the audience in over multiple movies to love that character. And I don't think she's been given enough time or, or affinity. So the only, the only, they're going to have to do all of that in one movie. That's a great point. How would you even make a character, any character's death matter now? You know what I mean? I guess if someone, I mean, what you're saying is it takes multiple films. So I guess if like Tony Stark, you know, were to die, that would be, felt right yes because it's this is this is a means i mean especially tony stark because he's in every piece yeah. of the marvel franchise yeah you know same thing with captain america which you know potential spoiler alert there's a good chance we're losing chris evans after this yeah. movie yeah yeah that's right and and that's going to be a like that's something that we're going to feel because we've been following this character for so long so question to you because i don't think i i own and i've read the the original dark phoenix saga Mm -hmm. and i don't think that that story can be told like that nowadays anymore it just can't it's too the the maybe the character motivations maybe can still be there but just the way that that story unfolded in the comic books would just seem hokey and dated now is do you think there is a way to even craft that story to have that kind of impact now in a movie well, which which aspect of it are you saying is too hard? Because to me, it's the 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 principal story of the Dark Phoenix is that she takes on so much power, she loses control of that power, destroys an entire population, and then has to resolve that. Um, you know, she did something; she's got to live with it another power wants to kill her for it. The X-Men don't want her to die because they're her friend. Like there's this pull between what is like, this is this moral ambiguation, ambiguity, you know, what is going on there? Thank you. Ambiguity. What do we do? And, and, 
Okay, go ahead. Keep going. So that's that's the core of this. So if you scale it down to maybe she blows up uh, uh, a building with a lot of people in it, or maybe she blows up – I mean, she doesn't have to eat a, a planet like she did in the comic books. Yeah. But that moral dilemma of somebody not knowing what to do with this much power and being afraid of herself – so you're not going to trip if like, you know, where's the Shi'ar? Where's, where's the, where's mastermind to, to, you know, push her over the edge? Where's the hellfire club? Uh, all of that was part, all of those were major parts of the original dark Phoenix saga. The way that story was told, the way Jean Grey absorbed those powers and had them stoked to the point that she lost her mind and, you know, and then the whole thing on the moon, like the whole, like the big part that you're talking about takes place between a battle, you know, the X-Men and the star jammers or whatever. And on the moon, like you don't need any of that there. You're saying. No, cause I, the basic conflict could be kind of reduced down, but my problem is, is look at how many elements you have to put into place to make this story work. And they're doing it in one film. Right, right, right. So as like you have as- to have you have to have this this group controlling. It doesn't have to be the Hellfire Club, but you have to have this group controlling her. You have to have this this large power in place that can judge be judge, jury, and executioner, and you have to have the emotional um I, I don't know, capital um that makes us feel for the X-Men in the position they're being put in. And I don't think any of those three things have been met to make this a, an emotionally powerful movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other films that feature, like single films, that feature a character's death that is an emotional, powerful, uh, an, an emotionally powerful moment. There are, there have to be, in all the canon of films ever made, there have to be, you know, moments of a character's death that we met at the beginning of that film, and at some point during that film, that that character passes away. And it is an emotionally powerful moment. There has to be a that that that's been done, I'm sure. So there has to be a way to do it, right? Right, but is it a different type of emotion? Because I feel like I feel like part of the part of the the tragedy of of the Dark Phoenix saga is is as you said, this is like one of the first major characters to die in the Marvel universe, not just in the X Men. You know, and she's also responsible for the craziness <laughs> that right. is continuity now because she was also one of the first to be brought back. Well, that's why my question was, can you even have a meaningful comic book death at this point? Because when this story was told, it was one of the first major Marvel characters dying. We've experienced that now in the movies. That's, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. how, how, you know, I felt, I mean, it maybe it wasn't, and, and again, Keep in mind that this wasn't the point of the movie, this character's death. But having said that, Quicksilver's death in Age of Ultron had an impact. Yes, and because because we're pretty sure we're not going to see that character again. Yeah, and and you know, I mean that 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 death for that death to be meaningful was not the point of that movie, but they still managed to pull it off. What about um, Coulson's death in Avengers? Nah, but he came back. Okay, he did. But at the time, we didn't know that. No, that's true. Jean Jean Grey came back anyway, so that's not... Yeah, she did, but she's already already died and come back once. (laughs) We've already got her. (laughs) 
<laughs> so oh I mean, I, I realize <laughs> I realize that I'm harping on on a on a little thing. I just I feel like I feel like that when when we have a world created like the Marvel Universe, and it's it's so strong and the continuity is so. Um, established and and you you feel you're gonna feel a loss of one of those characters because you know that this is probably it the idea of them going back and rebooting iron man yeah is is not in our kind of (laughs) division yeah we've already got basically reboots of this x universe yeah yeah you got to do something that's significant that's going to make this death different than her death in x-men 3 it almost seems like they've they've made the, they've set themselves up for an almost impossible task before they're yeah. doing it. And I yeah. hope and I hope again I hope to go in and go. Oh my god, this is amazing! Yes, I love what they did. Different take. It could be completely different, but it yeah. has to be something that has that emotional impact. I want to be sobbing for Jean Grey at the end of this movie. Right, right. I feel like this is a perfect. We managed to find the perfect discussion uh, uh, that I think really uh, crystallizes like our different points of view, where we're coming from on these. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is yeah, this the Jean Grey thing. Oh man, we are that that film is gonna get such an intense podcast when it comes out. <laughs> I can't wait for. I'm already anticipating that. <laughs> like I, I think that's what what I I've started enjoying about a lot of these these movies. I, I'm almost. Like the the DC ones, I look forward to because I'm like I'm gonna have a really good discussion with Ray. Um, the X Men yeah. ones, I'm gonna have a good discussion with Ray. The Marvel yeah. movies, I'm just gonna di- I'm just gonna geek out with Ray. Yeah, yeah, totally, absolutely, great. Well, hopefully people you know want to keep uh want to be along for the ride. <laughs> yes, yes, and and if this was a little heady, I mean, this is kind of I feel like this is classic comic book store conversation totally like this, is, this is kind of what <laughs> absolutely we, we, we're going to kind of start heading towards that i think because now we have the two consistent people to be able to have those conversations where you know it's not just you know we'll definitely bring somebody else on and because this is not the end of guests guys we will be oh, bringing right. on guests and hopefully it will be a lot different guests than we've had before but um it's going to be, you know, including them in, uh, you know, that person that gets roped into the conversation while picking up their copy of X-Men this week, <laughs> the, 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 the comic book store owner and its regular customers, and they're having their 56th debate about whether or not they should have brought back Jean Grey. We've said this before, but this is really exciting time to be a geek because these conversations are just getting bigger and bigger and we're hearing more voices. And, you know, what do you do when you're, a geek, but also, you know, that's kind of a mainstream thing now, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's, a, that's one of the catalysts for all of these conversations for all, for a lot of these kind of divisive takes on geekdom is the fact that so many people are a part of it now. Um, yeah. but I, you know, it's, it's, we're lucky. It's, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's definitely a good thing. All right, my friend, shout outs for this week. Uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to um, this really special group that I've been following for a while. They're called Geeks of Color. And uh, it's a website you can go to at uh, geeksofcolor.co. Um, and they're basically doing a lot of the, you know, geeky stuff that I'm into nowadays. Um, 
they've got a podcast as well um, that's uh, uh, hosted by uh, Dorian Parks, their founder, as well as um, Avram Vargas, who's uh, uh, their co-host. Um, and, you know, just really cool. They're, they're all about uh, an inclusive environment. Um, they're all about uplifting diversity and, you know, all about just owning their geekdom, you know, in, in, within popular culture. So check them out, Geeks of Color. They're, they're pretty rad at what they do. That's awesome. Um, since this is coming out the Monday after my show is over, I want to thank everybody who helped out with it. I know it's similar than last week's, but that's kind of been all consuming in my life the last <laughs> couple of weeks. So, um, so those are the people who are keeping me, uh, sane and alive. So I'm very proud of all of, all of my students and, uh, thank you to all the faculty, family, and friends that have come out to both support and to, uh, help out very much appreciate it. All right. Next week we are back in um, probably the last of just our own, you know, you and me will hopefully have guests beyond this point, <laughs> but yeah. you and I are going to, we're going to dive into trailers. Yes. Yeah, so many trailers to discuss. A lot of trailers came out uh, around uh, in the time around the Super Bowl. Definitely, you know, trailers for black Panther as well. So yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. So this should be a lot of fun and a lot of, uh, theorizing and going into the realm of, well, it'd be really cool if they do this, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our favorite kind of conversations, Joe. Absolutely. All the music in this episode is by Ben sound and is being used under a creative commons license. You can find more music by Ben sound at bensound.com. Geek to is a proud member of the geek to geek network. Check out other geek to geek shows such as geek to geek podcast, runningshoes.tv, The Comic Box, and Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. Make sure to join our Reddit community at r forward slash geek to geek cast. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geekitude or me personally at Epic Race. And Ray, where can we find you? Uh, as always, I am at Ray Vargas 3. So uh, my website is rayvargas3.com. And on social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Ray Vargas 3. Very cool. We'll be back next week and geeking out about all sorts of stuff. Yep. And until next time, remember this week. Keep it geek. The Red Legion took away our home. Dominus Gaul has stolen our light. But from the ashes, a fire team of guardians rise to. Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? <sighs> Titan, no jump good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things Destiny. Why we play. Why we love punching aliens in the face. And why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something. A podcast for players of all levels. Find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First round's on us. Thank you.
that theme song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brennan Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out. <laughs>